You're listening to the Movie Crew Podcast. Tonight we're talking about the 1984 original Ghostbusters as well as the 1989 sequel, Ghostbusters 2. Our dreams, they feel real while we're in them, right? It's only when we wake up that we realize something is actually strange. The middle children of history, man. No purpose, no place. We have no great war. No great depression. Coming to get you, Barbara. We're on a mission from God. I'll buy that for a dollar. Welcome to the party, pal. What's for a smile on my face? All right, sweethearts, you heard the man. Pull him out. Come on, let's have him. I will show you where I have made my home while preparing to bring justice. Then I will break you. How great was the spiritual war? How great depression? It's our lives. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Brian. With me tonight, Mr. Jeremy Benson. Hi. Hey, Benson. Hey. How you doing? I'm fine. How are you? I am well, sir. All right, before we even get started, let's get this off the plate. One of us... Have seen the new Ghostbusters movie. You want to start this way, huh? And one of us has not gotten off his lazy butt and gone and seen it. But yeah. I did see Star Trek. Star Trek was good. And well, I did see The Conjuring too. You did. You did see that. Yeah, I see. Yeah. I haven't seen that. I, I'm going to know your thoughts on Conjuring too. I don't think I actually. If re- we haven't really talked about this, as always, James Wan. James Wan's camera work is amazing. Uh, the, there are certain visuals that are awesome. I do not think, in my opinion, and I've heard a lot of people disagree with this opinion, but in my opinion, it is not as creepy as the first one. First one was pretty scary. But overall, there's, there are some, you know, there's some great set pieces going on. There, it, it, it gets to a certain level of, um, without spoiling anything, there are certain elements where I'm like... All right, that's taking the physical and the spiritual and kind of blending a little much. Like, there's some teleportation going on that... Okay, I got you. ...sort of takes me out of the movie, but... Stretching your disbelief just a little too much. Just a little bit, but... I mean, you know, for the most part, like, what more could you ask for from a sequel to a... I mean, most of the time when you go see a horror sequel, you're like, well, that's, you know, it's got some moments. Is it a better sequel than something like Insidious... Chapter two, yes. Okay, yeah. I, I I thought that was okay. I just it kind of it missed the mark a little for me. I like the first one a lot though. I like James Wan though, man. I'm a fan of his. I am too. I'm not. I'm not the biggest Insidious fan. I, I like the first one. Um, I know what you dislike about that. <laughs> Darth Maul. <laughs> I don't. It, it, it. Yeah, I've tried. I just that's not one of my favorite movies it is but it's theatrical for <clears throat> sure but yeah conjuring 2 um there there are some definite like really good scenes in it without getting into spoilers that, that's kind of where i'm gonna stop <laughs> all right fair enough fair enough but yeah props to camera work is bar none like he always does pretty good at that i was really impressed with the conjuring i thought like that looked great i mean all his movies look good i mean just the fact that they shot saul as quick as they did, and that movie looks that amazing. Dude's doing something right. He's a good low-budget filmmaker. 
I guess he's not working low budget anymore. No, yeah, Conjuring Two wasn't exactly low budget. There. Yeah, that had like a, what a forty. That was a forty million dollar yeah. horror movie, man. That's uh, that's kind of expensive for horror. So yeah, well, hey, he's earned it. You know, he went on and did um, you know, Furious Seven and all that stuff. So you know, good career for that guy. Saw that. Saw Star Trek. I have not seen the reboot of Ghostbusters. It's not a reboot, man. It's a remake. It's just a. What's the difference? I I don't know. What is the I difference? I always thought a reboot was you're taking the idea and starting a new franchise along with that idea, where a remake would be Gus Van Zandt's Psycho is a remake of... Okay, it, I don't know, man. I guess it is kind of a... It, it, eh, I don't know. That's and that's how I always separated my, my... I may be totally full of shit, but... It's so on that line of what you just described. I don't know. I don't know what to tell you there. Actually, it's uh, a re something, huh? Yeah, it's a re because it's no, the reimagining. Yeah, it's the first story from the, the first movie. Pretty much, they swap out the villain, but the origin story is the same. Uh, it's you know it, now it's with females and they get together and they're busting ghosts and they updated the comedy. It's not bad. It's entertaining. Uh, it, it does have some problems, and if you're a real big fan of the first movie, I can definitely see. I can definitely see, like, you know, those touches of stepping on hollow, hollow ground really pissing people off. Yeah, and I know the controversy around the trailer was quite thick. Yeah, it was. that was a little blown out of proportion, though. That was just, uh, I mean... And, I, you know, I mean, I've said before, I had... I have no trailer, so No what? problem with there being female Ghostbusters. I had a problem with them making it a gimmick. For, like, you know, updating it, being a little bit more progressive, a little bit more PC... They still give the African-American character crap to do, crap scream time, and, like, she's the only character out of the four that's not a scientist. And it's like, come on, dude. She, you, you you put all females in there, but you still mess this up? I, I, come on. Like, seriously? I don't know. It's it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, you. I guess you did something right, so golf clap. Good job. You know, you're you're touching on this like PC ground, so I'm gonna be a little un PC here. Like even in the trailer, they're they're pushing this. Look, it's female Ghostbusters. Which hey, that's cool. All right, female Ghostbusters, but do something with it. Don't just say hey, we're we're female Ghostbusters. Like give me give me a story that makes female Ghostbusters cool. Like that's a there's a reason. But look at all this like racist stuff we're gonna do with this black chick. <laughs> That's yeah. That's kind of, it's kind, it's, of, it's kind of what it was. I, I kind of got the feeling it was like at that point it was it it just fed on my. They're just doing this female thing to be a gimmick instead of. I mean, I'm just I'm a story guy. Like, even if it was two guys and two girls, I want to know why these people are the Ghostbusters, not just because. Let's do females. Yeah, or or like you want some jokes like it. They don't really do anything funny with the fact that they're females. Like you could do a lot of funny things and. I think the main thing they did was the, there's this joke between Chris Hemsworth's character who's now playing like the Jeanette character. Janine. Janine character, sorry. Uh, from the first movie and Kristen Wiig who's like the Bill Murray and they're, she's kind of like, you know, she's attracted to Chris Hemsworth and they, they do a nice like role reversal where he's the dumb blonde and he's just, he's like the piece of meat in the office. It's eye candy. And that was the other That's kind of funny. Kind of but, problem I had with the trailer. I'm a huge Ghostbusters fan, and when I saw the trailer, like, the tone was so not Ghostbusters. It was straight up, 
almost Ghostbusters spoof that it was like, do you not get what made Ghostbusters so cool? Yeah. They're jokes that could have been in any comedy. It didn't have to be a Ghostbusters film. Right. And the you and know? the jokes, and in, in, we'll get into Ghostbusters in a minute because that's what we're talking about today. But in the original Ghostbusters, it was such a layered tone that the jokes weren't like that slapsticky out front. We're shooting this scene because of this joke. There was a scene happening that jokes happened in, if that makes sense. This film doesn't do that. It's It's more slapsticky, but... I mean, is no. it as bad as everybody says it is? No, it's not. It it's watchable. It's totally watchable. I, I mean, I've heard I've heard very different opinions on it. One complaint I've heard. I mean, I haven't seen it, but that they don't catch the ghosts. They kill them, which doesn't make a lot of sense to me. If you're they're ghosts, right? They catch one in the very beginning, and they like they they let it out, and then they kill all the rest. They do drop some, like, you know how Ghostbusters always has some techno-jargon line for something, and then then somebody's going to be like, no, no, hey, layman terms, do you speak English, you know, kind of scene, and they have one of those in here, but I don't know what the, I can't remember what the rationale is, like, yes, they are dead spirits, how do you kill them? Well, it's it's a particle reversal, where we just, yeah, it's something like that, you know? But I, I, I I, I don't know, it made sense to trap them, not to particle destroy them. But I yeah, I do have to go see it. I have a six year old daughter that really wants to see it. It's not so painful, man. Uh, I mean I you know, I'm I'll I'm ready. I mean, I've gotten texts from a lot of friends that said, Hey, it's not bad. Nobody has really texted and said, Dude, you're gonna love it. <laughs> <laughs> I have gotten a lot of it's not as bad as I thought it would be. Well, yeah, I mean, the way the internet was talking, the way all these reporters were writing articles about it, oh, you look, would think the sky was falling, dude. The trailer was one of the most like hated trailers of all time. Yeah, I saw some report like that on YouTube, and man, come on, how much? That's just fans that are just really mad, and they're like, "Oh man, I am getting on my computer, uh, my wh- mom's computer." But and while we're on disliked. that trailer, I want to throw—I don't know if, you, if he actually listens to the show—but former Memphian Bevan Bell recut the trailer. Oh, really? Did a fan trailer, and it got, like, it went viral quick. He cut it with more of the tone of the original. Oh, man. Well, it was just, well, He did it just to sort of show that, look, it's not that these that these are women Ghostbusters. It's the tone of the trailer is wrong. Yeah, we'll have to see if we can uh, find that and put that in the show notes. I do remember seeing that when that, that came out. And it was, because they actually used, like, the, I think the original song. They used the original song and cut out some of the lamer lines recutting trailers i think my favorite recut trailer ever is the shining that makes it look like a love story man that is me so, jack i know right that is so fucking priceless god it's so funny uh so i guess uh should we go ahead and start talking about ghostbusters let's talk about ghostbusters all right uh let's play the trailer for ghostbusters and we'll come back ghosts hello ghostbusters they're real you do they're mean. You have? They're here. We got one! Ghostbusters. Hey, anybody see a ghost? They catch the ghost that won't stay dead. They're armed. They're dangerous. 
Try to imagine all life as you know it stopping instantaneously and every molecule in your body exploding at the speed of light. All right, that's bad. Okay. All right, important safety tip. Thanks, Egon. They're professionals. Oh. I'm the chairman of the largest paranormal removal company in America. You see it? They're all that stands between you and the end of the world. The city is headed for a disaster of biblical proportion. Real wrath of God type stuff. Fire and brimstone coming down from the sky. Human sacrifice, dogs and cats living together. That's hysteria. Your girlfriend lives in the corner penthouse of Spook Central. You want this body? Is this a trick question? Play a stick. Hold! Beat him up! Smoke him! Make him hard! Ready! Ghostbusters. Starring Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd, Sigourney Weaver, Harold Ramis, Rick Moranis. Ghostbusters. All right, we're back. We're talking Ghostbusters, the original 1984 film. Life changer. Oh, yeah? This is a life changer for you here, Vincent? Oh, man, yeah. I think I probably spent the next year of my life with a homemade proton pack on my back. I made mine out of a Nintendo box, painted it black, tore my mom's vacuum cleaner apart, stored some wires, and the crap looked real. You MacGyvered a proton pack. Sure did. That's just all kinds of 80s pop culture reference, and that sentence right there. (laughs) (laughs) I take this, you saw this at a real young age, and you were out running around busting ghosts? Yeah. Vincent's like, hey, uh, you got a ghost. You know who to call. Uh, I'll give you my phone number. Here it is. Yeah, me and my next door neighbor both. We had homemade proton packs, and we were the Ghostbusters. So, what what is it about this movie that appealed to you? It's just awesome. <laughs> it's, I mean, as a kid, it's funny. As a kid, it was more of that imagination that comes with it. I mean, but then you know, as an adult, like looking back at it, it's just a really well made movie. I think it's the first time I remember seeing something with different sets of eyes because I yeah. remember watching Ghostbusters so much as a kid. You know, I think there was like a, a period in my life was Ghostbusters free for about three or four years, uh, somewhere in between ten and fourteen. And I remember being a teenager, going back and check and watching this movie, checking it out again, and just being like, "God, this movie is filthy!" <laughs> like just all the sex humor in this film. What is going on? I, I do all of it went over my head when I was you know five, six, seven, oh, of course. eight, all of it. Like well, all all the well, sexual you're not references. Supposed to were. get them when you're. Yeah, I know. It's just. I don't know. It was one of those movies where I was like, oh, I have lost my innocence. <laughs> this is what happens. Yeah, I remember coming back to it and catching more of the of the humor in it. Like, I guess as a kid, it really, I didn't think it was a comedy. I thought it more of like a horror action adventure. Yeah. And then, you know, watching it later, I was like, oh, this is hilarious. I remember, I think the only thing I thought was funny when I was a kid, I remember thinking Slimer was funny, you know, in the in the big hotel. I remember thinking, like, Bill Murray's line, hey, Egon, I've got your mucus. Or somebody <laughs> blew his nose and you want to keep it. Like, I thought that stuff was funny. Yeah, the but, State like, Marshmallow Man was funny. I didn't catch the, like, little humor of, you know, this is going to cost, and you look over it, 
Harold Ramis and he's giving the prices with his fingers. Oh yeah, when they come out of the hotel room. Yeah, yeah, dude. Like the subtle humor the went ballroom. way over my head. Even to this day, it feels like certain aspects of it the filmmakers took very seriously, and the humor comes from like these guys being part of this situation. And they're just sort of quirky personalities that make you laugh. <laughs> I always love Bill Murray. Like, you watch Bill Murray in the background. Like, w- watch him when he's, like, talk when the others are talking, like Ray and Egon are talking, and Bill Murray's just like, you fucking nerds. <laughs> he hasn't, yeah, he, he doesn't know what he's doing. Like, the perfect, the perfect scene is when he goes to Dana's house for the first time, and he's got this little wand. She's, are you using that correctly? And he's like, I... I think so. He has no idea. <laughs> no idea. You never whatsoever. studied, did you? Yeah, right. He, yes, that's right. Dan Aykroyd even even says that. I did not realize that Dan Aykroyd uh, was really into ghosts, and like his family, apparently, like somehow paranormal researchers or paranormal investigators. Yeah, he's pretty into this stuff. Yeah, I just thought he, him and Harold Ramis got together and wrote a funny script, but no, this is now, from part what of I his family. From what I understand about the script. It was originally written for John Belushi. Yeah. The original version of the script was sort of set in the future, and they had, like, weapons on their fingers and, like, handheld weapons, and it was very different. And Harold Ramis is the one that took it and just sort of revamped it 1984 time. Thank you, Harold Ramis. Yeah. And then wrote it for Bill Murray instead of John Belushi. Because uh, they'd worked together on Stripes, right? And that come out the year, that came out the year before, a couple years before Ghostbusters. I think so, yeah. And that was that was I think where they met Ivan Reitman, or no, they already knew Ivan Reitman, I think, but maybe before then. But that's the movie they did with him. What do you think of Ivan Reitman as a director? I mean, you know, um, Ghostbusters is sort of like the shine out moment for me. Uh, I I even remember like he even did a Ghostbusters knockoff, like uh, Evolution. I never saw it. Oh really? It's it's not really it's not bad. It's not terrible. Ghostbusters is just one of those movies where just everything comes together and works. Yeah. The cast is dead on. The tone is perfect. You know, this is a movie too like I, you know, we were talking about special effects and how I hate matte shots and all that other shit and aliens, but you know, this is a this is a film where the ghost effects really haven't really aged that much for me at all and the matte stuff like all the matte shots I Man, I, it works in this context of this story. This story is so infused with fantasy, I just buy it. Yeah, the only the only ones that look a little dated to me are the demon dogs, the hell dogs or whatever they're called. Yeah. The hell hounds. Yeah. Those, there's a couple of shots of those that are like, eh, but. <laughs> I like the little tail, though. <laughs> they have. I like how when it, it's running across, like, I think there's a moment where you can even see, like, wiggle, and it's, I don't know, man. It's just a And there's a, there's a shot, too, of the top of the building that, if you look yeah. carefully, you can kind of see through it. <laughs> and you see there's no cars moving down below. Yeah. Yeah. But overall, like, I don't even, like, I don't even think about it while I'm watching the movie. I'm just, oh, man, I'm just yeah. completely sucked into the story. It is a product of its time, but even like those montages, like the montage of the Ghostbusters going out and busting ghosts, it's still fun to this day. Oh yeah, it's it hasn't. I don't think it's really aged that much. I mean, it does. The movie to me, it has always done just a great job of switching between like this is a serious moment 
to we're gonna have fun and then serious moment have fun like the scene where Dana is in the chair and she's on the phone with her mom and she hangs up and then Zool possesses her oh and it was like that is a creepy scene. That, like yeah. that's something straight out of a 1980s horror film. I like how they put the chick from Alien in that position too, where somebody's yeah. got to bust out and grab her. It's just like, oh man! And even no. the scene when Peter shows up, you know, Poor Bill, Weaver. Bill Murray shows up and are you the key master? Like it's a creepy scene, but the comedy comes from you know Bill Murray playing it realistic with still being within his sarcastic character. Hi, there's just somewhat it's a very rich movie. Matt, you're talking about that scene where he shows up in Dana's apartment and you're talking about the subtle gags there in the movie. That that's probably one of my favorite. He goes in there <laughs> to take her on a date. She ends up possessed and like the next scene it goes to like like uh one of the other Ghostbusters. It comes back and Bill Murray's like, Yeah, I just tranquilized her. <laughs> Like why, Shot why her do you up with have eighty eighty cc's of? Why are you bringing a tranquilizer Thorazine. on a date? Yeah, why do you have Thorazine, by the way? <laughs> what the hell were you? Oh, uh, you talk about something that just went over my head as a kid. The whole keymaster gatekeeper. Yeah, I didn't yeah. Know what that meant? Just visually, like you know, they're in the mayor's office and they're they're explaining that the end of the world is coming. Mayor says, "Okay, what do you need from me?" And then it cuts to. You see the army, fire department, police, and Ghostbusters. And visually, you're putting them in this emergency responders. You're you're tying them to all of those units that we're used to. So it solidifies that these guys are real. They are going to solve the problem. They are superheroes. Or they're as good as the military. Right. They are the new branch of public servants. Because, after all, who are you going to call? You were talking about the special effects earlier, too. Um, I did not know that ILM did not do this until recently. I could have sworn ILM did this. I think the, I think the film that they, uh, ILM was working on at the time was Indiana Jones in the Temple of Doom. So that's why they went with Richard Edlin? Yeah. And he, formed his, he ended up forming his own company. I guess it was called Boss Films. And, man, he's, he's gone on to do a, a bunch of good stuff. But he used to work for ILM. Left and oh, did, yeah, Pol- yeah, for Poltergeist. He did do the effects for Poltergeist. There you I've go. I always thought they looked very similar. Yeah, well, especially that creature that's and they in the even closet. Have slime. Yeah, that's true. Come on, come on, dude. It's ectoplasm. All right, it's not slime until it gets to a little bit later toward the nineties. <laughs> ectoplasm is a long word. Can we just call it slime? Kids like slime better. Well, yeah, that's right because of uh, the cartoon. Did you watch the real Ghostbusters cartoon? Yeah, I did when I was a little kid. Did it confuse you when you saw that, like, there's a Ghostbusters cartoon, but it was this dude, a gorilla, and this little roundhead dude? No, I didn't. I did not know that existed until the internet. Really? Yeah, when YouTube put that up and everybody started passing it around, and they, you know, like the mid early aughts, that's when I found out about it. Oh, I remember, like, I don't remember from school, and I guess it was on syndication or something. And I would open the TV guide and be like, "Ghostbusters, what is this?" And I would I turned it on and was like, "Well, that's not the Ghostbusters ripoff." Yeah, no, I never saw it, man. And apparently, there was a movie called Ghostbusters that was this guy, a gorilla, and (laughs) 
A little roundheaded. Dude. Some old black and white film, right? No, it's in color. Hey, wait, it's in color? I thought it was yeah. black and white. No, it's, I remember watching like the trailer for it. It is ridiculous. Yeah, I never actually saw it. I've only seen like the YouTube clips and stuff. We'll we'll see if we well, can put something like that. That's what I found. I found the trailer on YouTube because I got kind of fascinated by that one day, and it was like that's that was real. Like what the that explained the real Ghostbusters. Yeah, they named the cartoon the real Ghostbusters. Yeah. No, that's the one I I watched. That see, I only that's the only one I knew existed as a kid. Oh, I loved it as a kid, man. I thought that was that was top notch entertainment. Yeah, I remember liking that a lot. Yeah, it's so long ago, man. I don't even know when that show went off the air, but I know I wasn't watching that in the nineties. No, because the time Ghostbusters two came out, I was kind of I was out of Ghostbusters and into Batman in nineteen eighty nine. So, oh yeah, you can only focus on one thing at a time. Well, I mean, you got you. I mean, there was He Man and Ninja Turtles to worry about too, man. I mean, I was I was pretty big into He Man, although I have I have a hard time remembering He Man. Ghostbusters, on the other hand, is like like I can remember the episode of the real Ghostbusters that it's a flashback episode to tell how they got Slimer, and it shows them coming back from after they battle Gozer, and they're still wearing their their brownish gray jumpsuits, and before they change the colors of all their jumpsuits. Well, I mean, you know, and Slimer was hanging around the firehouse, and they kept him as a pet. If if you're gonna have different people, you you really need different color clothes. If it's a, yeah, in a cartoon, yeah. <laughs> I don't, I don't really, I don't know why, but uh, I they made their hair in the cartoon never, so different. I like, never understood why they gave Egon white hair and that little crazy. I don't even know. It looked like he had a cannoli. Like it's like cannoli a, like a super, super Superman curl. Yeah, it was just, but it went like all the way back to his head. It's just like, wait, what, what is that? How do you even? How do you get that hairstyle? I don't know. I never understood that. <laughs> it's like Marge Simpson's hair. It's like, that's not real. Winston looked pretty much the same. Yeah, he did. Although, I've always thought he looked a lot tougher in Ghostbusters 1 than he did in the real Ghostbusters and Ghostbusters 2. Maybe it's the mustache. Uh, You know, it's probably the stash, dude. Like, as a kid, I was convinced that was a different dude that played Winston in Ghostbusters 2. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, you... Didn't look like the same dude at all. <laughs> it's like that guy had a mustache and that guy doesn't. <laughs> so, so if Ernie Hudson ever comes into your house and he's got a mustache, he's gonna be like, "Hey, what's up?" He's gonna go to the bathroom, he, he shave seemed, it, come back up. You're gonna be like, "Oh my he god!" He seemed bulkier in in one when he shows up in the suit and he's like, "I'll believe yeah. in anything you want me to believe." Well, he was younger, you know, better shape. Yeah, wasn't wasn't as rich then, you know. <laughs> Had to, I probably had to I had to watch his uh, his dollar spenditure at that point in his God, career. There's just so much. I don't know. There's just so much that just feeds my imagination in Ghostbusters One. That that was probably the first like apocalypse movie I had ever seen. Yeah, you know, I can't think of a film I had seen before where it actually featured like this is going to be the end of the world. Right now, that's uh, every Marvel movie. But closest I can I can think would maybe be Superman Two, but. It never was going to be the end of the world. It just Zod was going to rule the world. But no. Ghostbusters, this was going to be, and they, you know, they had that great scene in the. And speaking of going back and forth between like super serious and then the comedy, you have that great scene where Ernie Hudson and Dan Aykroyd are in the car and they're talking about the Book of Revelations and the end of the world, and they get kind of creeped out and they play it off so good. Like Dan Aykroyd's like, "Ooh, let's turn on some music." <laughs> 
<laughs> like they creep each other out, and then it cuts back to maybe you know, the like reason it's that tone. So busy is because the dead all rising from the grave. It's that tone that made Ghostbusters something special. It did everything. It was like it's yeah. a drama. It's a horror film. It's a sci-fi movie. It's a comedy. It's just a good old movie. It is definitely a yeah. It's definitely like a genre blending for sure. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I like Sigourney Weaver and Rick Moranis's uh, interactions in the halls too. Those those are really good, like uncomfortable, awkward moments. Yeah, she and... doesn't want to be mean, but <laughs> he's just not attractive to her. And that dude does not stop talking. Oh my gosh, it's like one of those. And uh... then it's it's so classic that he's the key master. <laughs> the poor guy gets to lay Sigourney Weaver and doesn't even remember it. You know, man, I never 100% really, like, picked up on the fact that they actually did do it. I was watching a, a deleted scene, like, when the, you know, when the when the DVD of this first came out, like, um, this was a really awesome DVD when the DVD format first came out, like, in the right, right. 90s. Had the Spook Central. And- yeah, that was a great DVD, man. I, I remember- still have it. Yeah, the, the extra features were great. I remember watching the behind the scenes, it was that deleted scene. Where he meets uh, Sigourney Weaver, like after they've got out of the dog rubble or the dog ash, whatever, and and he's like, "Hey, so did we?" She's like, "No," and it's it's this really long pause, it's really awkward, and then she leaves. I mean, I I thought that was great. I was like, "Man, you should have left that in the movie." But then it's like, "Eh, you know, do you do you really want Sigourney Weaver having slept with Rick Moranis and then?" I mean, even if it was dog form in possession, you know. Well, they weren't they weren't in dog form yet. Oh, that's true. Because it comes they back, were just and you see, you know, his zippers open, and <laughs> they open. they they copulated to bring forth the coming of Gozer. He 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 inserted his key into the gatekeeper. <laughs> Which, like I said, you know, as a kid, like that just went totally over my head. Yeah, we used to could rent VHS tapes. From the library, and that is where the first time I saw Ghostbusters is. I still can rented it from the library, and I brought it home and I watched it with my dad. And I remember at that scene, like they're on the rooftop, and he's <laughs> he's laid out on the on the balcony. She's laying next to him. He gets up, and you can tell that like his pants are open, and Scorny Weaver kind of kicks her long, sexy leg over. And I remember my dad going, "Wish I was the key master." <laughs> And I, I, as a kid, I was like, why would you want to bring forth the end of the world, Dad? <laughs> now I get it. Like, all right, end of the world, I get to sleep with Sigourney Weaver. Eh, even trade. Do you not understand what's going to happen? The giant marshmallow guy. Understand what you're saying. Just how brilliant is that scene? Okay, clear your minds. Clear your minds. Oh, that is good. I, I guess we should, uh, should we, should we talk about the plot of the movie? Or do you think there's anybody out there that hasn't seen... Yeah, I think everybody's seen Ghostbusters, right? I mean, it's it's a pretty simple plot. There's some there's some ghosts that start appearing, and there are these guys that bust them. Well, it's not a, it's actually not a simple plot though. That's that what is. I kind of love about it. Like you get into like that. Well, I mean, if you want to get like into the the details of it, well, yeah. But, I mean, it, I mean, that's pretty much you know. There's it's this, Gozar is coming well, to. There, yeah, there's this mad architect that had built this building a long time ago as a temple to this god Gozer. Now just so happens to be the time that all of the forces are coming together. And just so happens at that exact same time, Bill Murray and them make a little little small company called Ghostbusters. Franchise rights available. 
I mean, there are some things that like are a little like if you go back and watch, watch, watch it. Are there a little? They kind of gloss over like who was the guy that built the pyramid? Yeah, he was a Gozo Gozor worshiper, but Igor, how did he? Igor. Wow, what was his name? I forget. Igor Chavez or something like that. It's real close to that. Yeah, but how did he know about? How did he become a Gozar worshiper? Why are there no Gozer. more? He's a Gozer worshiper. So how, I mean, how did he know about this cult? Why is there nobody else left in this cult that's coming? You know what I mean? And it's also like, how does this religion get formed if every however many hundreds of thousands of years she comes and she kills everybody? I'm just saying, it's just a little bit of a bottle. I mean, I mean, if you're exterminating all life on Earth, like, how how do they know to worship you? You know, I'm just throwing it out there. You know, this is what nerdy me thinks about. <laughs> well, maybe she just doesn't exterminate all life on Earth. She's like, there yeah. is a biblical story where um, this certain god killed everybody except for this dude on a boat and his family, and like a shitload of fucking animals. I cannot believe I literally just used the Bible to defend Ghostbusters. <laughs> hey man, they did they did they did the research, right? I guess. <laughs> um there you go. But anyway, it goes back to the the Stay Puff scene of choose the form of the destructor and Bill Murray's like, "Okay, yeah. clear your mind. Clear your mind. Don't think of anything." Cut over to Ray and it's like, "I couldn't help it." Oh, <laughs> it's great. Like I cannot I <laughs> I could literally spend like the next two hours just quoting this movie. Well, I mean, I love Stay Puft's introduction, though, man. Like the way his face is revealed, the way his body's revealed through the buildings. Yeah, it's so great. And, and then the when you actually see him, you're so... like, it's so ridiculous. It's like it's a giant marshmallow, dude, but it's killing people. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's like stepping on the taxi cars in New York, and uh, you know that's oh nobody steps on a church in my town. This movie, New York, very big character. Oh yeah, they definitely play to the whole New York vibe, the atmosphere of this. This you movie know. is what made me want to go to New York for the first time. And we find we got accepted into a film festival, like you know, not not when I was little, but later, and I was so excited. I was going to get to go see New York, and loved it. Loved that city. This was in the 2000s then? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, New York was good then. <laughs> had some uh had some had some rough rough years in those uh those late 80s, but Yeah, uh, well, this was post Giuliani. Yeah. You know, hey, it it cleaned itself up. Well, I mean, so so often when you see a movie that's based in New York, it, it sort of just becomes another city, but Ghostbusters really gives the city a personality. I think the big thing I wanted to do when I was in New York was the Statue of Liberty. Uh, not, uh, not the Statue of Liberty, the um, Empire State Building. King Kong went yeah. all the way to the top and fell off. So it's like, went to the Empire State Building. Let's that's, see how far King Kong fell. That's really high. It is. It is ridiculously high. <laughs> yeah. We always get to the arguments of, uh, hey, man, throw a penny off. Throw a penny off. Do it. Do it. It'll kill somebody. It, guys, I, it won't. It may hurt a little bit, but the terminal velocity of a penny will will not kill you. I don't care how I don't care that how far is, you go. That, that is an urban legend. Yeah, it's an urban legend. It it, it makes kind of sense though until you find out about fucking oh, yeah, terminal well, velocity. Until you start like learning science, that that is true. Until you learn science, <laughs> yeah, right. If I throw something at Earth, gravity's just gonna keep bringing it down, right? It, it, gravity's gonna get stronger and stronger because it's coming farther. Makes perfect sense. Yeah, no, New York is a huge, uh, huge character in this film. It's constantly referenced throughout the entire movie. You kind of feel that New York attitude a little in the in the movie. Oh, yeah. That, I don't mean that in a, in a bad way, no. 
when when Gozer shows up at the end and she's in chick bubble form where she's got the bubbles on her. Yeah. But all the I don't even know what that is, but that light temple that's in the background. I always loved how the that portal. looked. Yeah. The gateway and everything and like just the room that like it looked like a kind of like a glass room and Yeah, it was it's like, a nice it, design. If, if this demon was going to come destroy the I, that's what they would come through yeah it's just i don't know it's uh, that always impressed me as being like really creative and i'd like uh, you know the how thing they like, and- that always just blew my mind like is the idea that you're in the middle of the day and when gozer gets there this black cloud spreads over the city oh that's so cool was that not like the coolest visual ever yeah that is cool don't think they do that in uh poultry guys too don't they no they don't do that? I thought there was a cloud thing in Poltergeist. There's a storm cloud? that comes. But isn't it like a CGI storm like that? Or not a, a matted storm like that? Is it not? Yeah, but you don't see it like spreading out from the house. No, no, no. No, you don't. No, but... I th- always thought it was like a step ahead in the writing on this. Was early in the movie, they're they're busting their first ghost, and Egon goes, Oh, I forgot to tell you. Don't cross the stream. <laughs> It'll kill you, and everything will go bad. And, oh, yeah, that's bad. Okay, important safety tip. But then at the end of the movie, all hope is lost, and they have to do the one thing that they were told not to do. Like, that just brought it all together for me. It was like, that is just great writing. I do like the the very beginning of how the film starts in the library, too. That is a, such a good set piece, man. Oh, yeah. You know, all the library stuff, I, I like how all that works. And what it's, is up with the menstruation joke, though? When he's asking, uh, I, I didn't get that. It's just him being a sarcastic asshole. I don't think he... I always took it that he just doesn't want to be there. Going back and rewatching, I'm like, is that like some kind of ghost legend that, you know, chicks that are He doesn't know anything about ghost legends. Now, if Ray had asked it, then... But being Peter, I think he was just being a dick. (laughs) Even the guy guy at the library is like, why is that important? (laughs) You know, they go into the library, they get scared by the ghosts, you're introduced to, like, the ectoplasm. The first bust of Slimer, classic line of, we came, we saw, we kicked its ass, and then you get the montage, the news montage, where they're making a buzz, going all over, busting ghosts, and then, I like, the story just keeps building. Um, I kind of miss that story, that kind of storytelling. I and mean, they do really good jobs of uh, creating their universe and creating their world. Yeah, it really it takes you from like it really takes these characters on a ride. And to see that progression with the proton packs being introduced, yeah. and then the traps and how they're using those, and watching them yeah. even learn how this stuff works, they are obeying all the rules that they set forth in their universe. And if anything doesn't make sense, they make sure to call it out. And right. it's, it is a plot point in the film. I. I do miss that, where I, I feel like a lot of films, they, they cheat their audience, they break their own rules, and it's like, well, wait a minute, dude. You, you said... You set this fucking universe up, man. You can't do that. You can't just do something because it's cool. This movie, it actually takes a time to establish the universe, establish what these things are going to do, and how they're going to deal with the problem. It is real fresh, and the stakes are high. Very. It's the end of the world. It's Armageddon. I I just I mean, to me it's one of my all time favorite movies. Like I can't I can't not stop bragging about it. <laughs> I, I like it a lot. I don't think it's uh it's, I don't think it, I put it on any of my lists or anything. But I, it's a movie I've definitely seen a lot, and it's com- so so fucking rewatchable, man. I mean that's that's the t- it's just it's so thing. fun. Well, the comedy still holds up too. 
Well, because it goes back to what I was saying. The comedy is playing off of what happens, like the possession scene where, you know, he, he sees her rise up and he, he's kind of freaking out. And then later he makes a joke about it. So she sleeps above her covers, five feet above her covers, four feet. I'm sorry. It's like, I, you, I like how you had to correct yourself. With the, <laughs> it's like, no, no, hold up, hold up. I got it. I got, I got, I, I, I know how. I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And I think I may have said this earlier. The, the scenes aren't written for the joke. The jokes are written into the scenes. And I think that really is what makes, makes the movie work. Man, you just got, you got some great actors doing some great stuff unleashed oh, on screen. They create iconic characters. So how excited were you when you found out Ghostbusters 2 is coming out? Look who's here! My dad says you guys are full of crap. And don't look good. A lot has happened since they saved the world. Hi, welcome back to World of the Psychic. I'm Peter Venkman. Who is he these days? Peter? Well, he was borderline for a while. Then he crossed the border. <laughs> They've been put down. They think you're a fraud. I am a fraud. Put away. This city's in danger! We think they're seriously disturbed. And put on trial. I would have you burned at the stake! Face it, Ghostbusters doesn't exist. What will it take to make the world believe again? Ah, no! Have you been out on the street lately? <laughs> weird it is out there the dead will rise the titanic just arrived better late than never the demons will wake <laughs> evil will flow slime! it's a river of slime it's like pure concentrated evil evil treating other people like dirt is every new yorker's god-given right you ignorant disgusting blob this stuff responds to human emotional states oh but when the slime hits the wall who are you gonna call get me the ghostbusters you got him ghostbusters yes we're back it's slime time it's been a couple years since we used this stuff i hope it still works happy new year i was pretty excited for ghostbusters too i remember the hype machine on that one i remember the I think Pizza Hut was giving stuff out at the time, or I remember having some like little keychain. I had a press buttons. I remember the cup. That was like some. That was a fast food thing, yeah. right? I remember that, and I remember I was, was so confused of why they would change the logo to have a two. Because it's Ghostbusters two, man. Well, I, mean, I get it, but why did they change <laughs> it on their their shirts? <laughs> because, dude, they saved the end of the world. The ghost was actually given a peace sign. He was like peace. Yeah, I didn't get that until later. I thought that they were like, it's word part two now. I was like, that is stupid. I don't know. I was just making that shit up. Is that the real reason they did the two? That's the only thing I can figure on the uniform. Oh, yeah. I was... Or maybe it's second chance. You know, because on the side of the car, man, how... we got on this whole podcast and we haven't even talked about the Ecto. I actually uh... got to see that car. Oh, the actual car? Yeah, I got a picture of it. Is it? Still decent looking in the inside? Does somebody own this car? They have revamped it since I saw it, but when I saw it, it was in pretty bad shape. Oh, really? Man, we're, we're losing those, uh, those class Like the DeLorean, man. I, I saw somebody had to repair that. The original DeLorean. Really? It was falling apart, yeah. Oh, these, these cars, man. These special 80s cars just dying on us. But yeah, I mean... In the it was second- just sitting on the Sony lot. 
Oh, really? Yeah. Just sitting there chilling. Yeah. Dilapidating in the sun. Yeah. But I yeah, I just remember like even the Ecto having like the word back. Like it had like the the neon sign, this neon scrolling sign on yeah. the up top now and Well they, they did work in things. the whole like they'd been closed for years, the city sued them. I see I loved that. I thought that was great, man. How could you not like even if ghosts did break out in the middle of New York, I mean this is before we had iPhones and everybody had cameras right. and everything. No one's going to fucking believe your crazy ass that there were ghosts in your city. So, yeah. I always did wonder, though, because you did see a 50-foot marshmallow man crushing their way down the city. But, see, didn't they explain it by somebody It was like a light show? and In, in part one, um, Peck accuses them of... Dickless. Yeah. Yeah, he does he, accuse he them He of... accuses them of trickery and using a laser light show. Yeah, and it, then he says something about, like, he thinks it's, like, gas that came out of their containment yeah. chamber, and it's like, oh, come on, you dick. But then, and I don't remember in part two, I just remember that they'd gotten sued for the damages to the city. They lost everything. And they, well, they were, still have the firehouse. They still have the firehouse, still have Ecto. I remember as a kid being like, what? When the car pulls up and Dan Acker and them are at the party. And all the kids start chanting He-Man. Because they, you know, they play it off. Like, how many are there? Like, they're there to bust some ghosts. Yeah. No, they're there to... Entertain the kids. I mean, you know, everybody gives Ghostbusters 2 a lot of shit. I actually kind of like Ghostbusters 2. I don't hate this movie at all whatsoever. I kind of enjoy it. It's not... I don't think it's as good as the first one, but it still holds up, man. It's still the characters. It's definitely weaker than the original. Yeah. No argument there. I mean, it's got some great scenes. Uh, that courtroom scene is hilarious. Oh, dude, yes, that is that is good. The Scalari Brothers! Any time you end a scene with a freaking rhyme amongst three characters that are coming back for a sequel, I'm in. I'm in it. If it's Danny Glover and Mel Gibson and Lethal Weapon 2, I'm down. If it's Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd, and Hal Ramis and Ghostbusters 2, I'm, I'm here, buddy. Let's Let's rhyme. It's just, it's Anytime awesome. friends have that kind of connection. That's right. That was like an 80s thing. Uh, it's like, yes, we're going to run. the box. Ready to go. We be fast and baby slow. Who you going to call? I always it's not thought, a bad film, though. And to me, I always thought, like, for Ghostbusters 2, the more interesting idea was that the the bad vibes of the city were feeding this river of slime that was then bringing forth the ghosts. Oh, yeah, dude. I didn't really. I never really got into Vigo. No, he was kind of a weak villain. Like I always thought, Energy if they if they left off Vigo and then built to that New Year's Eve where the city is singing and you beat it with good vibes, that would have been a really cool Ghostbusters movie. I mean, it, what's funny too, because you know, I mean, at this time, New York was known for being, you know, Bad rude. Vibes. And, <laughs> yeah, you know. Everyone's like, oh, yeah, New Yorkers, they're all rude, they're fast, city life, blah. I did think they went a little far with the Statue of Liberty. You didn't like the Statue of Liberty thing? We gotta squeeze some New Year's juice from you, Big Apple. You know your love. Is it, uh, you take me higher, higher. Oh, come on, man, that was good, dude. You see, like, you see little green, uh, no, it's not green, it's pink lightning. Shooting through the uh, the pink slime inside the Statue of Liberty. I just remember even like as a kid going, it would just crumble. <laughs> just, they don't make Nikes in her size, dude. <laughs> Cheech at the at the dock is hilarious. 
Oh, that that's pretty good. The Titanic. <laughs> what is what is this? I forget what his line is, but it's so it's so priceless, man. Something like better late than never. Yeah, better late than never. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's well, you know, you can't say that joke was too soon. You know, hey, uh, <laughs> uh, you get away with that one, but yeah, man, I, I don't know. I like Ghostbusters too. Vigo is a little weak. It does suffer a little bit from that like Die Hard Two syndrome, where like here's Dana and she's getting stalked by a ghost again out of everybody in New York City. This poor woman. Who, is getting stuck who just again. so happened to be a world famous cellist, <laughs> and now she's a art curator. Hmm, this is one talented woman. It, well, dude, she's in the arts. Okay, <laughs> she just she covers them all. Scorny <laughs> Weaver, triple threat. And yeah. she had this kid because apparently her and Peter didn't work out. Yeah, that uh, that is not a cute movie, baby. No, Oscar. Yeah, that's just not a cute movie. But I'm sorry. Oscar's probably a grown-up now. I'm sure he's in his 20s or 30s. But, man, ooh, he was an ugly child. <laughs> man, just so much drool coming out that baby's mouth. And when Yawn Off like, reaches in through the window and it's like... <laughs> his character was really good, man. I, I liked like that a lot. The elements of the movie I liked is the build-up to New Year's Eve. Oh, no. Yeah, I, just, I, I don't know. I just thought that Vigo was a little weak. The villain's weak, and it suffers a little bit from sequelitis, you know, where it's trying to and repeat too much that, like, of the first film. For me, I could always tell that like the cartoon would have been a success, so they they were definitely aiming it more toward kids, where the first one wasn't aimed toward kids. Kids just liked it. I'm gonna have to go back and watch the cartoon, see if I, it would make me appreciate Ghostbusters two on a whole new merchandising level. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's totally a merchandise movie. Well, yeah, well, isn't that like the whole reason they gave them the different like packs in the first place? Just because now you can, it looks different. Now you got the slime shooter or whatever that was that shot the slime out. That made, it was positively charged slime, right? Isn't that yeah, what it is? Po- with positive charge with good feelings. I like the the sex joke with the toaster too, where <laughs> you guys aren't uh, like fucking it or anything. <laughs> and then Egon's all quiet. He's like, "Oh, you dog, Egon, you dog." <laughs> Oh man, that's and then like, you got to give you know they they had to give Bill Murray his moment at the end to just run his mouth. Everybody's paralyzed; they can't move. Oh so yeah, he's gonna insult Vigo to win the day. Well, the final confrontation kind of fails. Although I do like uh, when Ray gets possessed. See, I like the part where the that's the people fun. outside all start singing, and that starts breaking down the shell of the the slime. Because I thought that element of the movie was working, where Vigo I didn't really care about him; just burned the fucking painting. Yeah, you know that probably would have solved <laughs> that right there. I mean, there's certain elements of it though. Like I like when they're in the the dark room and they're starting to figure out that oh, this is a problem. And you can see the river of slime under Vigo, and that's then it. all the pictures catch on fire. Uh, yeah, that is actually, that's kind of a creepy scene, man. There's moments like that where it it works for me. And then there are moments like when they go underground, and then there's the train. It's like, okay, you're you're playing the cartoon at this point. I did. I do like when they first go underground, and they not when they actually go underground, but when they hoist uh, Dan Aykroyd down under there, and he's he's on the cable, and they just keep lowering him and lowering and the the conversations with the cops and Bill Murray, <laughs> yeah, 
Hey, the Harold Ramis up top are priceless. Like, hey, what are you doing? Who are you busting my balls over here? We let you work. You let us work. Uh, we're in the wrong. What is he like? We're in the wrong place or something. He slaps Harold Ramis. <laughs> I told you the phone lines are over there. What's wrong with you? It is. Uh, that's pretty funny. I man, and I'll, I'll give it to that. Harold Ramis and Dan Aykroyd. It is a creative script. Yeah, it is. It is a very creative story. It's just. You can tell they were kind of tied to we have to sell merchandise to kids. So, yeah, it's a little bit. I mean, just pressure, dude. Like, do a sequel to something that's just a a cultural phenomenon that nobody really expected either. Right. It's got to be kind of tough because I mean, there wasn't really an idea for a sequel or anything. It was just, well, we're going to do Ghostbusters and release it. And yeah, man, go the first Ghostbusters exploded. That made like two hundred some fucking million dollars, man, back in eighty four. It's a huge movie, and, it, and it's got to be hard to okay, okay. How can we have them facing the end of the world again? Yeah. Where in hindsight, I, I would have thought it would have been more interesting if they weren't facing the end of the world, but maybe the end of the city. Are because, they facing the actual end of the world? Like they're, they're going to possess the kid, and then, then I guess Vigo is going to rule the world. Rule the world. Yeah. Another thing I was um, a little unclear on in Ghostbusters too, if the slime is already down there, or if because the Vigo painting is now in New York, the slime is coming. I don't know. I was a little confused on all that, or if the New York vibes made the slime, and then I think that's the New York vibes were making the slime, and then Vigo was feeding off of it. I think they really say. I think it's just kind of like, yeah, you know, it's a guy in a painting and some pink slime. Come on. Yeah, I, I think they went. Kids like the slime, and we'll call it slime, not ectoplasm. What if there's a river of it, and we have to fall in it and fight? Yeah, it definitely seems like they're. Yeah, it does seem like they're appealing to kids. But it is. It is still pretty fun. It, it does. It does hold together. It's not the first one. I you guess. do get that cla- that awesome shot of Rick Moranis. He shows up at the end, and the shell of slime is over the museum, and he's shooting it. And then they win inside, so the slime breaks, and he thinks he did it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Everyone's like, yeah, way to go. And he's like, I did it. I did it. And they're trying to recreate that, you know, that superhero ending of the first one. And uh, Slimer gets another cameo in the second one. He gives yeah. uh, Rick Moranis a little little ride to the uh, to the museum. Got to throw Slimer in there for the kids. I always thought that was weird. But, I, I yeah, didn't like that I, when I was a kid. I, I didn't either. The way I always saw it is that Ghostbusters 2 was the movie version of the real Ghostbusters. They just didn't dye Egon's hair white. I still remember having the Ghostbusters 2 coloring book where Vigo the Carpathian. I, d- I do remember the merchandising for Ghostbusters 2. They was they huge. Yeah, they definitely put a lot more into that. And you know, I mean it still made 100 like 115 million dollars. Like it was it's still a pretty big hit. I just don't think anybody really wanted to come back for a third one. Not after that one. Which is kind of a shame. Like, is it bad enough to, like, say, no, this killed the franchise? I see. I don't think it... It's not... It's No, it's no worse than Temple of Doom. And they came back and gave us Last Crusade. But I think that's the difference, is that if they had come back and give us a, cl- a Last Crusade of Ghostbusters, then everybody would be chomping at the bit for a fourth one. But they didn't, so nobody... Just, I don't know where they're going to go with this. I would now, say I really I, I was really excited. There a few years back, Judd Apatow was gonna do Ghostbusters. And his was gonna be a sequel to Ghostbusters. And he was doing what he was gonna go with the from what I understand, he was gonna go with the franchise. Peter's always talking about franchise rights alone. They'd be worth millions. So he was gonna have kinda his group with uh what's his name? Seth Rogan and them 
Yeah. They own a franchise in San Francisco. Which would have that would have been a cool idea. Yeah, I would have been okay with that. Kind of extending that Ghostbusters world out. I guess the hard part with Ghostbusters is coming up with a, a decent villain. Right. You know, to carry your piece. It's not you can't have something too scary and too too mean, otherwise it doesn't fit within the universe. You know, and then I mean really is about as bad as you can get are those you know, the dogs, the the gatekeeper and keymaster dogs. Yeah, because they went pretty dark in the first one. And I remember there for a while, Dan Aykroyd yeah. was tossing around the idea of the Ghostbusters going to hell. Oh, that would have been terrible. Yeah. They, I think I think Harold Ramis kind of... Said no. Said no to that. They actually... They did a, a video game where the the cast came back. Um, I think Dan Aykroyd said that was like his Ghostbusters 3. Really? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's not bad. It's not a lot in terms of a story. I mean, because it's a video game. You know, it's probably about maybe... 30, 40 minutes. I think you can watch all the cutscenes online. It's worth watching. You know, it's the original cast. It's kind of funny. But, you know, it's a video game. It's not a movie. I'd be interested in, right before Harold Ramis died, I saw an interview with him where he had hired the writers of The Office to write a Ghostbusters 3. And apparently the studio liked it. He liked it. They were just trying to get Bill Murray to sign off on it. I'd, I'd be interested to read that, see where that went. Uh, Bill Murray said no. Man, it seems like he's the one that is always holding things up. He's, I don't think he's ever been interested in doing a Ghostbusters 3. His, uh, the quote I read from him said, nobody's interested in seeing a bunch of old guys carrying around proton packs. Translation, I'm an old guy and, and I'm I not kidding. I don't carry around a proton pack. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what that means. You couldn't pay me millions of dollars. Literally could not pay me millions of dollars. Uh, yeah, but- he just sort of said, leave it alone. Yeah, I can kind of see that. I mean, he's well, he went on to have a, a great career. I mean, all the yeah. Ghostbusters, like um, you know, transitioning to the '90s and the aughts. I think he was the one that had. And the, then him and Harold Ramis had that falling out. Yeah. Well, Her- Harold Ramis kind of flipped over to directing. Oh yeah. Which was, I mean, that was pretty awesome. He did the what is that uh, Robert De Niro uh, mobster comedy? Uh, Analyze this. He did Groundhog Day? Yeah, Groundhog Day. Oh man, that was that was good. I liked Groundhog Day. That's probably one of my favorite Bill Murray movies. Rest him, man. I miss him. <laughs> yeah. Again, we're losing too many greats. Did he did he pass away this year? Or was that last year? I think that was last year. Just losing way too many. You're gonna look it up, and it's gonna be like three years ago, and we're both gonna feel like, holy crap, time is. Oh moving my quick. god. Oh, 2014, bro. Two years ago. Yeah. What all is his directing credits? Why you got him up? Uh, Caddyshack. Uh, Vacation, Groundhog Day, Stuart Fa- Saves His Family. I've never even heard of that. Oh, it's a Al Franklin movie who had a great night at uh, uh, the Democratic Convention. He did Multiplicity, Analyze This, Bedazzled, Analyze That, The Ice Harvest. That was not very good with John Cusack and Billy Bob Thornton. Never saw it. It's uh, That's not very good. Uh, he d- last thing he did was Year One, and he's directed a couple episodes of uh, The Office. I mean, dude, like that's that's pretty good. Uh, really, outside of the ice harvest, I enjoy all, all those movies to some extent. I haven't seen Year One though. Oh yeah, no, I think all of his other movies are are pretty pretty on point, man. I even like that Bedazzled remake in two thousand with Brendan Fraser and Elizabeth Hurley. I thought that was funny, and I loved him in As Good as It Gets. Who is he in Good as It Gets? The Doctor. Oh my God, that's right, he is. I totally forgot that's him. Shit, dude, I need to go back and watch that movie, man. Uh, that is one of those movies that like nobody ever talks about, but I love it. Jack Nicholson is so funny in that movie. How do you write female characters so well? 
I take the rationality and sense of a man. <laughs> what does he say? Throw it out the window or some crap like that? Throw it out. Then I have a woman. Uh, yeah, Jack Nicholson. Right? It was just such a great role. Like, Is that guy acting anymore? I don't know. He retired, didn't he? I mean, I think he's Jack Nicholson. He can kind of do whatever he wants. Last time I seen, remember seeing him in anything was like The Departed. How do you know in 2010? I've never even heard of this movie. Reese Weatherspoon. Oh, my gosh. Owen Wilson, Paul Rudd, and Jack Nicholson. Jack Nicholson, you cannot let that be your last movie, dude. Well, I mean, he's had such a great career. You can do yeah, whatever he can let you. whatever he wants be his last movie. Yeah, I guess he can. The man's done a lot of great work. Anyway, back to... What? Ghostbusters. Yeah. So, uh, Benson, why don't, you, uh, why don't you wrap us up here, man? I guess if I had to give a closing thought on Ghostbusters, it's just one of those examples of... I, I Not to take anything away from the people that made the movie, but I think it's just one of those examples of getting really lucky and everything working. The good old lightning in the bottle? Yeah. You think about what they were doing. Let's make a comedy about people catching ghosts... It should not have been that good. Everything worked. Tone worked. Cast was perfect. The city worked. Like, if it would have been based in L.A., it just wouldn't have had the same feel. Like, everything <laughs> just comes together and makes this classic movie. And I don't think you'll ever capture that feeling again. Like, they can remake it as many times as they want to, and they're not going to recapture it. Yeah, I think the closest they got was probably, uh, was probably Men in Black. It gets it gets close, but I, it's, I'm not saying it, it gets there. I'm saying it, it's probably the closest anything has, has gotten for me. I like the first Men in Black movie a lot. Yeah, I mean it's kind of a different you know different feel, but it's got that same everything kind of works. Yeah, it's got that same like comedy, and you have this blend, and it's this situational humor. Although Men in Black's a little bit more slapsticky than Ghostbusters is, but I, I guess I'm thinking more of like Tommy Lee Jones and. How deadpan he is versus Will Smith's yeah attitude kind of has that same Ghostbusters riff going on there, but maybe we'll get lucky and one day something will come along and capture the lightning in the bottle again. I'm, I mean, I'm I'm talking more in the sense of like you can remake Ghostbusters and it's not going to feel the same. Like you're not going to recapture that magic that the movie has. Part of the reason it feels magic is that it's just. Things are clicking that you can't control. All yeah, all the departments are yeah every, in sync just, with each other. Everything is in well. sync. The script is just one of those perfectly written. I mean, you think about it. The two people that are in the cast are the writers of the movie. If something's not working, you just change it. Yeah, I heard they did a lot of in, uh, a lot of improv as well on set. Yeah, and you're you're acting with a bunch of your friends, so yeah. Like Saturday Night Live uh, alumni, vets, and, yeah, yeah. I guess alumni, I guess, is a better word than vet. That makes it sound like they survived something terribly <laughs> horrible or something. Oh man, I just went through Saturday Night Live. It was tough. It was rough, brother. You almost expect Chevy Chase to have a cameo. I believe in magic, magic. That that is it. That is exactly <laughs> what I'm trying to say. Is that while I'm watching Ghostbusters. I believe this shit is happening. Well, I mean, yeah, Ray, Ray Parker Jr. had the very famous song. Everybody knew it was a big hit and everything, but Elmer uh, Bernstein's... Uh, the score. Yeah, the score, the the backbone of the movie, like just that, those weird noises he puts in well, there. And Dana's and, got a beautiful theme. 
it it makes it work. It it and then that little lets you know when it's scary. Yeah, right. I think the score works so well in this movie. It accents all those notes perfectly. And I used to I used to have the soundtrack, and the song I probably listened to the most, other than Ghostbusters, was the Saving the Day. Saving the day. So, are you recommending that we uh, that we're gonna that we we should play that one? What, what should we close out the show with here tonight, Benson? I, I think you have to close out with Ghostbusters. All right, there you go. But everybody, go on YouTube, look up "Saving the Day." It's awesome. <laughs> So that's going to do it for us tonight. Thank you so much for listening to the Movie Crew Podcast. If you guys want to get in touch with us, our email address is themoviecrew at gmail.com. That's themoviecrew, and crew is spelled C-R-E-W-E. That's right, extra E at the end, at gmail.com. We are on Facebook. We're on Twitter, at moviecrewpod. If you guys want to follow us on social media, and please give us a rating on iTunes and Stitcher. That helps people find out about the show. We certainly appreciate that. Uh, and want to say uh, thank you to all the people that wrote us emails for the uh, Deadly Blessings poster competition. I just sent that out to our lucky winner for that giveaway. So hopefully you are hanging that on your wall right now, listener, and enjoying that beautiful piece of artwork from that great Craven film. We're, we're talking Star Trek next week. We're talking the the Abrams films and this newest one, Star Trek Beyond. So look forward to that. Uh, we also have some um, other films coming up. Uh, I think we're going to do The Blair Witch Project, The Thing. Uh, we have our retrospective series, The Summer of 86, uh, is concluding this month as well. Uh, we're not going to announce that film just yet. We'd like to keep you guys to, you know, guessing just a little bit on that series. So, yay. Like always, we close out the show with a little bit of music, and tonight is no exception. We're closing with the Oscar-nominated song from Ray Parker Jr. This is Ghostbusters. Enjoy.
Just walk some more. 